0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Car Ride Conversations. Today's episode is a little bit different than the previous ones. My guest today is not a candidate running for office. In fact, he is a public relations and communications expert. I thought it might be fun to have someone different on that could share his professional opinion and analysis on the current elections in Canada, and especially the first leaders debate that happened earlier this week. His name is Carlos Godoy. He is a very good friend of mine. In fact, he's the reason I ever got to work in politics because he's the one that hired me a little over 12 years ago. He's the senior vice president at Impact Public Affairs. He's one of the smartest guys I know with an incredible political acumen. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Do you know that of all the people of all the people that i asked to come on this podcast of all the people that have agreed uh all people that have come you were the least uh you're the one that i least expected to run after for like eight
1: months (laughs) what's the problem man what's going on over here it's you you clearly overestimate how much i appreciate you
0: the problem is and i appreciate the fact that you're on (laughs) this is the problem that this 30 or 40 minutes or whatever is going to last it I'm won't, busy it won't, so it's it, going to be 20 it, it's 20 okay 20 minutes so it won't do you any justice you know a guy like you like you know the PR mastermind and communications wizard you have so much information to give and so much
1: knowledge uh, to share you know a secret uh, is something you tell only one person at a time okay and so <laughs> uh, no I appreciate as such um, I know I do appreciate you Vin uh, been, uh after me to to come on and uh, and I would have loved to, but um, uh, it's not always possible. I know, I know. Uh, you I know, know it's I know. contextual, uh, timing. Uh, plus, you know, uh, getting anywhere in this city is a little complicated these days. Just these days, just, just, these just, days. just not for the last decade. But my office is in old Montreal. It's probably the best part in the, in Montreal. I love it to death. Uh, I've. And this it's is my co- fifth year. I have my office here in Old Montreal and I wouldn't switch it for the world. Okay. Let, let's tell people, first of all, how we know each other,
0: because I don't joke around like this with everyone. Uh, you are the person that actually hired me. Uh, you're the reason why I got into politics. I'm not sure if I'm happy about it or. Yeah. Do you live uh, to or, regret it? Or sour about that whole thing. I'm, I'm not sure yet. I mean, I'm just, it's still debating in my head, but uh, uh, we, we, we go back a long time. We work together. Uh, And then of course uh, you moved on to do other and better things in public relations and communications
1: No, Uh, we we go back to 2007 Yes, where you were uh, freshly back from uh, Greece where you had worked for NATO. Yeah, and uh, We were looking for a bright young eager person that uh, spoke Greek that had an understanding of geopolitical issues and uh, entanglements that uh, was either a Montrealer by birth or by choice, and uh, we were very lucky to find you. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, I
0: was happy to uh, to be there. Honestly, and you know this, the, the idea for me wasn't to stay on for that long.
1: No, I know you. <laughs> I
0: wanted to leave, I wanted to go back to Greece. I, I was here for the summer.
1: Right, uh, you were, but you know, we... Uh, but
0: in retrospect, thank God I didn't leave, because you imagine with everything that had happened in Greece, I would have come back anyway.
1: Maybe you would have, Uh, knocking on the door is there still is there still a position (laughs) you know george you and i have gone through a lot we've gone through at least one federal election one provincial election together We've had our office occupied by about 80 uh, aggressive protesters, riot police. Very respectable students, very respectable students. (laughs) Exactly. They had an an issue that they wanted to bring to the government's attention and to decide, you know, hi, let's crash this party. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, stick a bunch of papers all over the office
0: and we'll prove our point. And uh, yeah, that was uh, that was quite the experience. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, we do go back a long time. uh, Very quickly, because we have uh, some interesting things to talk about. politics for you how it started uh, when
1: why it started uh, give me that whole background I got involved in politics back in uh, back when I was in CGIP uh, Champlain st. Lambert got involved in some student politics back then this is the end of the 90s and I gave uh, a very rare TV interview back then to some community channel it was two young federalists versus two young separatists mm-hmm. and the other young federalists is today aereoport de montreal uh, vice president martin Massé. okay he was chief of staff to uh, robert poetsy when mm. he was minister of transport etc and so we were the two young federalists and uh, a lobbyist saw me on tv this is very early 1999 and uh, had his team reach out to me and i went to work for him okay for a year so that's really how i got into politics and then you know government relations partisan politics we were involved with one major national political party uh, and you, well, started from, the,
0: you started from the youth wing and you moved the you n- moved Not up.
1: so much. I never really was oh, one yeah. to be in oh, the youth thought, wing I formally. You were, I you so I, I, was, I was a young person in a political party, but okay. I didn't actually uh, occupy any position in the youth wing or participate so much. Okay. Even back then, even when you're young, you know, politics remains politics. And uh, as, a, as a lobbyist, we, you know, we had some issues to push that weren't always necessarily popular yes. with the political parties we were pushing it with or um, uh, or and, and again you know I was doing this for work and so therefore that's how it started. How did you get involved in a, in a in a campaign in 2007? Back then I was living in Ville and I had been living in Ville for seven years almost and um, the Quebec Liberals had identified a star candidate to oppose incumbent Parti Québécois, Elsie Lefebvre, who was, again, a bright, young, uh, very, 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 very sharp young woman who had won the constituency in a by-election And with a huge likability factor, too, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. Huge likability factor. La Reine de Villeray. she had won against uh, uh, um, you know, another similar star candidate, a, a Greek woman running in a by-election in a, what was considered a predominantly Greek constituency and so Elsie had been elected and the Liberals were adamant on getting that constituency back and someone in the uh, Quebec Liberal Party um, whom I knew identified me as someone that could give a hand and I became number two of that campaign uh, the communications director for uh, Jerry Sklavounos whom whom won that year by about a thousand votes to our great surprise because we were extremely disorganized <laughs> we really did not know what we were doing and uh, it was pre- maybe perhaps my second campaign ever, but this was a serious campaign because we could actually win, as opposed to previous campaigns that I'd worked on that, you know, we knew we were just doing it to do, to do it right. Yeah. And so I uh, we won, and uh, I hired you. And uh, and and the rest is all history. The rest is history, but, you know, nothing happens for nothing, and so, um, I worked for Jerry for two years, maybe. We did the two thousand seven, yeah. two thousand eight election.
0: Yeah, and then or, or beginning of 2009, I think uh, uh, you left and you went on to uh, to other challenges. I think you went to the, the office
1: of the speaker. I did go to the office of the speaker of the Quebec National Assembly as a sort of de facto deputy chief of staff, handling interparliamentary and international relations, handling the educational mission of the National Assembly, and handling welcome protocol, security. Those were my those were my the fields upon which I was uh, I was assigned to. Again, also- I spoke English, French. Speak Spanish I spoke Italian I traveled the world and the speaker back then was um, uh, it was you know, Vallade, Vallade, right, yeah. Yeah. exactly someone from middle Quebec we'll call it who yeah. had very little international experience didn't speak English very very well and I was there to to give him a hand support him and bolster his international presence you know I, I was thinking the other day uh, and I was actually talking with
0: my wife and I was, you know, I went back. And I'm like, man, I know this kid from 2007, and I'm not sure if I'm still surprised that we stay in touch, or if it's just the relationship that we had and that we created that made it almost inevitable for us to kind of uh, stay that close, right? Uh, because you're in politics, people move around, people shift. You know, there's all these things that happen, and you lose touch with people, and it's it's kind of normal. Allegiances
1: you know? will shift, friendship. Personal situations will shift as well. Some people come and go in and out of politics. I think you can I go could. on the right here. Yeah, absolutely, it's absolutely clear. And, um, but also at the same time, you know, I'm I'm someone that's uh, very loyal. I think that loyalty and friendship is and family are extremely, extremely important values. And I and I uh, hold on to these values very, very strongly. And so. I don't need to see someone every day to still feel this very, very strong bond, especially in the context where you and I worked extremely, extremely close in the constituency office of a, a, you know, moderately important member of the National Assembly. We had, you know, the, the challenges that we needed to deal with. We were learning and growing together at the same time. And so, you know, I sometimes call it, you know, it's, you know, it's like going, sometimes it's like going to battle with someone especially and especially with the things that we lived through like I said you know having rioters come into your office and (laughs) occupying your office dealing with you know the riot police this and that they turned our office upside down so these types of experiences are gonna forge very very strong bonds you you can't you can't uh, you can't escape that you can't forget it yeah and you can't ignore it uh, either and so we saw each other what once before this year at a, at yeah, a gala yeah, at an event, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm super happy to see you, and I'm super happy. And to it's
0: you. funny because it always feels like we were talking or together the previous day, like yesterday Absolutely, or a couple yeah. days ago. It's yep. always been like that, and yep. uh, I appreciate that, man.
1: Uh, do you wanna do you wanna plug in what you do a little bit now, or uh... I, don't, I don't need to plug in anything. But you know, for full disclosure, I I am involved in public and government relations. I'm the senior vice president in a, an Ottawa-based public and government relations firm called Impact Public Affairs. We are founded in 1997, we have a, you know, medium presence uh, and footprint across the country, head office in Ottawa, small team in Toronto, small team in in Montreal, uh, an antenna in Quebec City and one in Vancouver as well. And uh, we're very much in all sorts of sectors, we've been advisors to pretty much anyone and everyone in in Canada that has an issue with either the federal government or some provincial governments speaking to the media. And so that's what I do out of uh, my career.
0: So when the time comes around for the budget, for example, or election time, you guys are fully
1: aware you're right. You're, and so it's all the, hands on deck. Yeah, things, right? this morning I'm entertaining some colleagues from Ottawa mm-hmm. and we're going to be meeting with some clients later this afternoon. And, you know, this morning I was telling my colleagues, you know, right now we're on October 4th. And, you know, it's now that we need to start thinking about uh, you know, making some representations to the Quebec government on some budgetary issues, something that could have been done throughout the summer as well. The earlier the better. But right now, this client is ready now to move on this and so now the time to seize the day on that. Cool. So Yeah, so we're very, very uh, keen on following what's going on, and especially with the federal election going on. It's top of mind on a daily basis. Uh, let's talk about the federal election because that's
0: uh, pretty much uh, why uh, I called you in. I thought, you know, initially when I was uh, thinking about this segment uh, to have uh, different candidates from different parties. But then at some point I thought it'd be interesting to have uh, someone that isn't running in the election that have an experience either in politics or as a journalist or uh, as, a, as an analyst or, a commenter, uh, you know, that, that have political commentaries to kind of uh, bring in their feedback on what's going on in the campaign. Um, just generally, how do you feel? About the campaign and then we're going to get on we're going to talk uh, primarily about the, the 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 debate that happened this week and uh, that's it so uh, what, just general what, how do you feel about this election
1: what are your thoughts this is uh one of the first few instances where we have elections on fixed dates and so i think that that takes away a lot of the anticipation yeah. and the You know uh, the effervescence and uh, positive energy of you know when will the election be called who knows who doesn't know who's gonna guess right and so I think that there there was a lot of anticipation positive anticipation back in the day which we don't have anymore I found myself you know looking at the calendar six months ago and saying "Uh, Jesus you know we have an election on October 21st you know wow no surprise there (laughs) so we know it's the unavoidable is coming around and so I think it takes a little bit of, out of the spontaneity out of that, and it's it's a bit unfortunate. At the same time, I think that it's fair for electoral agencies and for voters, I guess, and political parties to be prepared in, in yeah. advance, which us lobbyists and uh, publicists affords us an opportunity to prepare, you know, and know when to talk to parties yeah. and push issues mm-hmm. and agendas. But that being said, you know, I, I don't think that there's that much of a great enthusiasm for the campaign. There was uh, the French debate on uh, on TVA face-à-face face, a few days ago, and out of the two hours that started at 8 p.m., how many of the 1.2 million Quebecers that watched it uh, actually watched it all and, yeah. or, did, you know, or didn't simply tune out after the first 20 minutes, maybe perhaps?
0: Well, look, I'm going to tell you one thing, and we'll, we're, we're getting into the debate, but for a rare time, I felt actually that it was a good debate because we're used to seeing debates where it's just chaos. The moderators can't keep the control. Uh, And even I think this format um, that TVA had, they had, I think they applied for the first time uh, last year at the provincial election. Right, And it was okay, the format, I like it. You know, it gives the opportunity for each um, leader to kind of express what they have to say. But last year, I had a problem with Pierre Bruneau, who is the moderator, because I felt like his journalistic instinct kept coming in the picture. He kept interrupting and, uh, you know, counter uh, attacking the leader's comments. And I was like, dude, shut your mouth. Let them talk. It's a debate. You're just there to moderate, you know? I felt that this time around, he did an excellent job. Um, all in all, I, I enjoyed it. Of course, there were a few moments that we're
1: gonna talk about where, you know, the gloves came off. George, how do you prepare? to moderate a debate like this. You don't, you know? And, you know, Pierre Bruno, whether someone likes him or doesn't, he has a long breadth of career in the reporting industry. And so those are the skills oh, yeah. that really no come, come, come across. No doubt, but when you but ask- I did think that the debate went, was good. I think that two hours, uninterrupted two hours is extremely long. I think that intellectually, we're asking a lot of uh, of uh, spectators to follow this do you, you know, well, with do a you lot think- of with, with you know with, with a lot of attention and and to pay the the right type of attention to what's going on. Really sincerely, it, it was a uh, lightning lightning rounds plus um, you know there the linguistic challenges of two point five out of four yeah. candidates that were uh, being represented on this as well. Nominally, you know Andrew Shear and uh, Jagmeet Singh and you know and Justin Trudeau has, although he, he is a, a francophone operates and has operated most of his life in English as well and so yeah. I think that you know his French sometimes is a little rusty and it's unfortunate but it's the truth uh, while uh, Yves-François Blanchet impeccable French uh, he's going to do far less well in the English debate coming up on Monday I've never heard him speak English neither have I you know uh, being a former Parti Quebecois uh, cabinet minister in, in a, in a Quebecois government that historically has refused to speak English with a non-francophone uh, stakeholders uh, It's normal that you've never heard him speak Frank- yeah, English yeah. But but just just on a side note if Francois
0: Blanchet because we got to see him in opposition when we were there uh, I got to see him in government yep. when we were in opposition. He is a fantastic Parliamentarian. He's extremely eloquent uh, in expressing his points and I honestly could not imagine anyone better for the block to have chosen as a leader, and it's and it's showing right in the support. I mean, he's really uh, brought everyone together, and the block is really bringing up the support. Um, I'm not sure exactly strategically what the NDP is doing because they're looking at that and they're thinking, you know, which whichever riding resisted the liberal wave in 2015, are we, going, are we going to be able to maintain them or are we going to end up losing them to the Bloc Québécois? Or the other possibilities on a strategic level is, is the Bloc's presence going to be significant enough to split the vote and have the liberals just walk right through, which is actually happening in many uh, in many regions. Quite certainly, Yves-François
1: Blanchette, you know didn't uh, save the, the Bloc Québécois. He brought it back from death yeah yeah you know you <laughs> yeah, sincerely, yeah. he reached into the darkness and plucked it out from you know he the, was the defibrillator the, the hands of the hands of death you know that party was clear destroyed yeah. absolute destroyed you know an absolute level of apathy and you know whether he does well this election or not he will need to be canonized by the quebecois <laughs> and the separatist instances <laughs> for having you know for having done a miracle something that no one else, no one else in Quebec could have done so. True. Sincerely, he gets those kudos. He gets those those brownie points. I, quite I'm definitely. Cu- I'm curious to see because there's no way that he's going to lose candidates. If anything, he's going to gain. So whatever happens, I mean, they have 10, the Bloc has ten seats right now, and my projection is that they will gain up to another ten. I think so too. I agree with you. They're going to be between
0: fifteen and twenty, which is a victory for them. Absolutely. So he has nothing victory, to again. he has nothing to lose going into this campaign, Absolutely based not. on what's going on yeah. right now with the Bloc. Um, but going into the going but, into but the, the but debate, the, pro- yeah. the problem
1: is that. The NDP. Well, yes, I know you want to speak about the debate, sure, but okay, just to finish, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. this sort of like roadmap. Uh, the NDP will have lost a lot of seats by the end of this election in Quebec, and there's no doubt about it. You know, while uh, Jack Mead Singh appears to Quebecers, as you know, as a congenial person, someone that you know they would certainly would want to have a mm-hmm. or a, a drink with, mostly out of curiosity. I don't think that Quebecers are going to necessarily going to be compelled to vote with them, and I think that voting for the candidate. Uh, in constituencies isn't going to be a sufficiently strong appeal for Quebecers. So we have to imagine that, you know, the NDP is going to lose a lot of footing in the province. To whose benefit? And that's a real, real question. Yeah. Going into the debate, I thought that Andrew Shears conservatives were poised to make four to six or seven net gains in the province. Yeah. But following the debate, I'm doubting that because those constituencies are ahead neck to neck. Um, in many cases, Liberal, Conservative, and sometimes NDP. And I think that as a result of this uh, debate, you know, both the NDP and the Conservatives will have lost some footing to the benefit of the Bloc and or to the Liberals. And, you know, it sounds almost crazy to say this because the Bloc and the Liberals are uh, in diametrically opposed uh, political uh, viewpoints. But Quebecers, as you know, are mi fig, mi-raisin. You know, sometimes, you know, they're... One way, or sometimes there another, yeah. and we see it in Quebec City, yeah. where there has been an orange uh, wave in in you I know in conservative Quebec City, one yeah. would say, strong uh, orange wave, and now a strong CAC wave, yeah. which is you know again the CAC is uh, diametrically opposed to to the NDP ideologically speaking, and it, yeah. so that's why I think that a lot of Quebecers s- see politics as that. I think a lot of Quebecers often as have seen themselves as either blue liberals or red Tories, yeah. and the line is thin between both, and which allowed them the. Uh, versatility to be able to vote for say for example for um, for the liberals of the era or for the progressive conservatives of the era as well yeah Uh, I I thought you know going into
0: this campaign a couple months ago based on the wave that we saw uh, of the you know right-wing parties both federally and provincially uh, I thought it was gonna have a big impact in the upcoming federal elections especially in the regions we saw quebec shift to the cac which is arguably you know a right-wing party um we saw the right wing uh, right-wing parties win in the maritimes like this uh, in ontario as well so i thought you know justin Trudeau's gonna have a hard time especially in quebec and in the regions um and i honestly think the surprise factor is indeed Yves françois blanchet for bringing up the uh, the block i'm looking at polls for example in writings like bertie and masquinonger where you have ruth ellen brosseau mm-hmm. Uh, who resisted the, the you know the the, the wave in two thousand and fifteen? Kept her riding. From what we hear, she's an she's an extraordinary uh, parliamentarian. Even locally, people love her. I've also heard that. Yeah. She's in trouble, and you have the liberals that are leading because the bloc has brought up their support as well. So they're splitting the vote. Same thing is happening in Chambly, where Yves Francois Blanchette is running. Um, uh, Rosemont uh, is in trouble also. So all these ridings, it, it's going to be you know uh,
1: nail biting. Uh, on the 21st of October, I but, but this is part of the unfairness of, of, uh, of politics, of electoral politics. You may have a phenomenal Member of Parliament, like Alexandre Boulerice, yeah. de Rosemont La Petite Patrie, for example, very present, very active. He is a deputy leader of the NDP, but at the same time, as a result of, of his leader's you know, lukewarm performance at the, during the TVA face-off. You know he may lose some votes as a result of this and so and it has nothing to do with his own performance or, or his own service and representation of his constituents this is the the unfairness part yeah. of it right you know andrew Shear with his whole story about is he personally for or against abortion will have hurt some of the women candidates uh that the, are con- under the conservative banner in quebec simply because andrew Shear could have evacuated and gotten rid of this question extremely early on the onset of the debate by saying, yes, by virtue of my religion, by virtue of my beliefs, I think that all life should be protected And I'm against abortion. But as prime minister of all Canadians, I will defend women's value to decide what they do with their own bodies. Period. End of story. Then we would have moved on to another story. So uh, hesitation kills. And Andrew Scheer decided to hesitate on on this question. So your communications guy, uh,
0: like you're part of the conservative team. Isn't this an issue that you you automatically know 100% that it's going to come up during the debate. How can you not prepare your leader adequately to respond? Like, there's no doubt in my mind that they
1: knew that this is going to come up. Like, for sure, this is going to come up. Or either the gay rights, it's going to come up. I'm I'm not, I'm quite convinced that this is something that they had prepared for. And, you know, and I haven't asked, I didn't reach out to find out. I think, you know, they probably have a lot of things to worry about. Yeah. uh, Like every other team. But at the same time, I think that this is perhaps a dichotomy of, you know, there's you have Quebec folks, and then you have rest of Canada folks on yeah. your campaign. And I see this very yeah, often they're, with they're clients. Not, they're not watching the French debate, right? but I but I but you know the the rest of Canada folks in your campaign or your communications folk, if they don't have that, you know that sharp acumen for what makes Quebec specific, yeah. and yeah. don't listen to their Quebec folks on the on the matter, and that's maybe where you know opportunities are lost. And and I see it in the private sector. Sometimes clients will I will advise clients on a certain uh, issue that I put through my only very very specific Quebec lens and at the end of the day the client has all the money and all the answers and if the client decides that we're gonna we're gonna go for an option that I didn't suggest and you know, we have to live with it. Yeah. And this yeah. this is maybe what happened.
0: And, and it sucks that it came on like within the first five minutes, right? But, it you was know, but like a couple it's, uppercuts it's, it's, and it's, he was destabilized. It's for the, the
1: draw of the right. luck, yeah. you know, yeah. the, this issue immigration and uh, social policies was the first topic and you know, and you know, it was the white elephant in, in the room, you know, Pierre Bruneau really, it's Pierre Bruno that you know, gave Andrew Scheer the uppercut. <laughs> you know, The other leaders, you know, just kicked him once he was on the ground yeah. on this issue. But I think that he did well for the rest of the debate. He managed to pick himself up and, um, and, and live through the rest of it. Here's what I find very curious. I mean, you
0: know, going into the debate, you know that the other leaders, they have an idea on what to attack Andrew on, which is, for example, the abortion rights, gay rights or whatever. Right. And then you can almost imagine the leaders knowing exactly what to attack Justin Trudeau on. Ethic, uh, ethics violations, uh, you know, SNC La Valen scandals, mm-hmm. resignations, like this yeah. was a horrible year. Like they started 2019 on a, on a horrible note and yet nobody even attacked him nobody even you know it, nobody took advantage of the platform they had during the debate to to lay in some shots i think justin shooter performed exceptionally well to my surprise i mean uh you know i don't want to judge the guy but i didn't think that he was going to come out unscathed as a leader and as an incoming prime minister
1: in, in the briefing note that i wrote to our clients on our canadian english speaking clients on the debate that they didn't watch or couldn't have understood. Mm-hmm. You know, I did say that, you know, in my opinion, I think, you know, Yves Francois Blanchet came up on top of this debate simply because of his mastery of the French language, yeah. he was cool, calm, collected, sharp, methodical, uh, really, you know, sincerely, he had everything to win. And then, you know, second, I think that Andrew Sheeran And Justin Trudeau, you know, came in uh, close second. Oh, he's going to have him tied for second. Absolutely, because Andrew Shearer could have done much worse. This was a danger moment for Andrew Shearer, and he could have done much worse. And in spite of the fact that the abortion issue came up uh, uh, full frontal from the get-go, and he didn't didn't answer it well, I think that he still managed to hold his ground for the rest of the debate. Justin Trudeau, really a little bit uh, like Teflon, reminded me of... um, of uh, Jean Charest in the good old days. Like, Teflon, you know, really dodged. Uh Dodged the the bullets that could have taken him Honestly, I have an issue with you comparing him to Jean Charest, but You know, I I mean, there's no comparison. There's no comparison. But I mean, you know, Jean Charest has an answer. Had an, always had an answer to everything. Phenomenal debater. And last but not least, and someone has to come in last, and unfortunately, it's Jagmeet Singh, because in spite of the fact that he did well, his French is very good. He surprised me how well he spoke French. Mm -hmm. He's eloquent, he knows the issues. And he's like I said, he's Mr. Congeniality. At the same time, he will not become prime minister. He will lose seats in Quebec, and nothing that he has done uh, or that he could have done would have made him gain seats in Quebec. And so it's unfortunate, you know. Mm-hmm. He's not the, uh, he's not either of his two predecessors, and and that's the set of cards that he has to deal with. Yeah, yeah. But like I said, Andrew Scheer could have lost far more. Could have um, could have really made far greater errors and i think that he lives uh to tell the tale you know yeah. the there's another french debate that's a reality right so uh, how funny how this great country which has a majority of anglophones will have two french debates and only one english debate <laughs> so we'll see what uh we'll see how this turns out on uh, on uh, october 10th uh see i, I thought andrew sheer
0: um I think people had much bigger expectations of Andrew Scheer going into this, into this debate because he's the best position to attack
1: Justin Trudeau. He's the official opposition. He's been doing it for 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 months, if not years. I know. uh, In the house, George. But you know, you know, it's like in a race. You know, the the greatest danger is when you're within sight of the finish line. Yeah. Uh, Both for the run uh, for the leader and for the runner-up. So greatest danger for Justin Trudeau could be reelected. Anything could derail that re-election. And uh same thing applies to the runner up, presumably Andrew Shear in this case, where, you know I think that his objective was to cause as least damage, was to expose himself to the minimum, and having taken that strong hit from on the abortion issue, which did destabilize him but didn't paralyze him at the same time, allowed him to stick to the rest of his plan and you know, and as we say in French, sauver des meubles. Mm-hmm. You know, do and commit and say as least as possible so that, you know, if you don't say anything, then you can't be attacked for it mm-hmm. or held accountable for it.
0: So, okay, let's talk about expectations going into the debate, like each leader. What what, what are you expecting? We'll start with, uh, with Andrew Shear.
1: In the upcoming English language debate, I'm expecting that Andrew Shear will then take off the real gloves. I think that perhaps, again, you know, part of their strategy, the conservative strategy was to... Uh, go mild on on Justin Trudeau, not pull out the heavy artillery immediately. Why? Because 1.2 million viewers saw it out of 30 37 million, yeah. uh, million Canadians, and so I think that's where he's going to, you know, take the gloves off and you know probably gonna hit uh, uh, hit um, the the Liberals the hardest. At the same time, I think that there's a strong uh, communication or a uh, a communion of conscience sometimes uh, as odd as this may sound between conservative electors and Bloc Québécois electors especially in like I said you know middle Quebec that is mostly rural mm-hmm. smaller towns that uh, has traditionally progressive conservative voters who are uh Conservative uh, in some way, but are progressive at the same time. We have a very, very strong attachment to Quebec and a lukewarm attachment to Canada. That's why I think there's a communion of conscience between those two electors. So I think that Andrew Scheer needs to take as many shots as possible uh, at um, Yves Francois Blanchet. Uh, pull out that you know he's you know a separatist wants to break up the country. Is yeah, going to very, be is very interesting. Is that, is going, elect, that yeah. is going to elect. Is going to elect. Members of Parliament, whom at this at the end of the day, will not achieve anything constructive, uh, other than making recommendations. And you know, um, you know, almost helping is the same as not helping at all. Yeah. I've said this once before when you were used, you and I used to work together. Maria Mourani came out on Twitter after the the former Bloc MP Ahansika uh, or yeah. wherever that neighborhood is, and she came out and she said, you know, I Bloc members of Parliament will never have a bill. Adopted in the House of Commons and she talks about the bill that she had adopted as an independent member of parliament on Human trafficking if I'm not mistaken And so when you have former bloc quebecois MPs coming out of the woodworks to take a shot at you and saying You know the bloc will never do any good for this country In so fact, I, I did something as an independent. As an, I had to leave <laughs> do it, To be able to do something yeah. as an independent. I think that that's where um, The conservatives need to be able to establish that stance with that sort of range of Quebecers that could go either block or could go either. That's a, that's a pretty interesting strategy. I hadn't thought about that. I, I, I was convinced that Andrew Shear going into the debate, his only focus would be to attack Justin and to discredit him. Yeah. And uh, so, do, when in what world will traditional liberal electors decide to turn their back on Justin Trudeau to vote for Andrew Shear? It would never happen. It's. Uh, the, I think that the the best that. Uh, the best that Andrew Scheer could do was convince traditional liberal co- electors to not go out to vote.
0: Yeah, okay. But he's
1: not going to switch, turn, those, convert those votes, to use a football expression, while I think that it's completely possible to turn uh, Bloc Quebecois electors to conservative electors, right. or, you know, uh, wishy-washy uh, middle-of-the-road uh, voters who haven't made up their mind, but that, like I said, are in that sort of progressive conservative na- Quebec nationalist zone.
0: Uh, okay, Justin Trudeau. So obviously, I think we know. Uh, you know, traditionally, the, the, the incumbent premier or prime minister, you're going into this campaign. You wanna you wanna show demonstrate people that you're still um, at the caliber of being a prime minister. Right. You don't want to come out too aggressive. No. Right. You but, wanna but, but show but you poise. To, you
1: have to defend your. You have to defend what you've achieved. Yeah. You have to basically last. repeat
0: what he did in this
1: campaign. And so that puts you on a defensive stance immediately from the get go. Because you're out there defending what you've achieved for canadians uh, on your agenda over the last four years at the same time we also have to be cognizant that he is you know the most likely to form uh, a government come october 21st today that uh maybe a majority or likely a minority at this point uh, it's still too early to tell i think and so therefore you know he has to demonstrate that you know he's delivered on the promises that he he made four years ago that you know he the promises that he hasn't delivered on that he has reasons for it either they're on the way to be delivered or it's more complicated and it happens governing is extremely complicated and he also has to demonstrate that current preoccupations of canadians are going to be top of mind for the next four years and of course now you know uh, it's popular and Populist to speak about the environment. Yes. The environment is really the the thing to talk about and it's the big issue but at the same time you know there are fiscality issues you know the elderly um, protecting rights projecting our influence across the world. Canadians are going to ask themselves you know is Justin Trudeau the best person to be able to deliver what really matters to me in my head in my heart and most especially in my pocket but also is Justin Trudeau the right person to represent us abroad. Yeah. Those are really the real questions because the two other leaders you know have no chance of of, uh, becoming prime minister or forming the government. Uh, You know, in a minority context, you know, Jagmeet Singh could play uh, an important role in a minority liberal government, you know, the balance of power lending his support, uh, not necessarily in a coalition, but being there to prop up the vote when Mm -hmm. when is required. The same as the bloc could do the same thing with the conservatives. I think that the conservatives have, you know, taken a strong stance on Quebec, you know, Conservatives, fundamentally, while they are federalists, you know, I do think that they are the most attached to the concept of uh, Quebec being a nation and autonomy of the provinces and less government, and so yes. I think that resonates a lot in the in the minds of Quebec electors. And so maybe the conservatives uh, could be bolstered up in a minority government by by the Bloc, but you know, I think it would necessarily be on a case by case basis, because in there is no foreseeable future where yves François Blanchet. Could come back to Quebec and say, "Yes, I'm going to support the Conservatives because uh, I need to, or because Andrew Scheer is going to tell me what to do." Yeah. That's not a well look in and, and, in the possibility where he
0: where he um, where he wins like almost a third of the seats in Quebec. He can play an important role
1: uh, in Ottawa. All right, of course he can. You know, and that's what he's defended in the face-off on TVA. He he defended that. You know the role of parliamentarians is important as individuals that uh, in spite of our system being more complicated for uh, independents and smaller parliamentary groups to be able to affect change that is legislative and quite certainly regulatory and other i think that you know parliamentarians you know don't want to feel that you know they're 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 useless that they're just you know people that are gonna stand up to vote when they're told to yeah or ask the questions that they're told to by the caucus. I think the parliamentarians want to more and more play an important role. I think the Senate has certainly taken that way and that pathway in the past few years. You know, I think senators are far more independent and have a lot more latitude to be a true sober second thought in this country today than they have since the inception of the Senate. But like I said, you know, um, it's all going to depend, you know, are Canadians going to send a majority government to Ottawa? what 170 seats the majority or they're going to send a, a minority there depends if it's a small minority then everyone's gonna to have to make an effort to make this country governable so that we're not a you know there's an expression in French un parlement à l'italienne," which <laughs> yeah. through proportional and representation etc it's very very hard and complicated to, to form to, any, to, to, to form a government like yeah. in many countries in in Europe uh, the Netherlands uh, Belgium France also to some degree yeah and uh, so those are all the, the questions that Canadians need to ask themselves, and Yves-François Blanchet almost pleaded for a minority government where he would have a bigger role to play without ever being a cabinet minister or being officially right, right, associated right. To, right. to a political party to prop them up. But at the same time, we know that you know, minority governments in this country have a, an average life expense, expectancy yeah, about of, 18 months, yeah. of 18 months. And so do we want to go back to, to the polls in 18 months? We want to live through 18 months of uncertainty where, you know, we're we're going to have some gridlock on some complicated issues that either the Liberals or the Conservatives have promised and committed to deliver uh, by virtue of the platform that their members have have voted, drafted and voted, that that Canadians have, have have sent them to Ottawa to work on and so those are the true questions that yeah. Canadians need to ask themselves.
0: So going into the next debate expectations at NDP and because now there's also going to be the Green Party uh, taking and uh, participating in, uh, in these elections and we know that they're you know uh, you know they're uh, they're up against each other. They uh, are. NDP and
1: the But Green I think Party. that they're up against each other really mostly on, on the environmental issue. I don't think that you know on the, on the social progressive issues I think they're on the same page as well. Yeah. But as for everything else, I think that you know the Greens sometimes you know they have maybe slightly centre to centre right fiscal policies or, or mindset. I to my great surprise, I I actually like Elizabeth May very very much. I've had the chance to, to see her speak, to small groups of clients uh, on hill days in Ottawa, and sincerely she is well liked. Yeah, yeah. She's, to my great surprise again, you know, loves, but you saw well-liked. the
0: first debate there that happened where Justin Trudeau wasn't present. I found her amazing. She was right. she was very good.
1: And she, and she is very good. She's uh, an experienced parliamentarian. She's a member of the Order of Canada, which is not something that, you know, that we hand out to just anyone. She's respected, appreciated. She has, uh, uh, again, a long breadth of service to the Canadian people and to the public. And so I really do hope so that the Greens are going to get a couple of more members of parliament elected. I think that they would be the right thing for this country in the 21st century. And especially the real question the trend, is, right? That the real question that? is where? Or how, you know, is uh, Pierre Nantel in longueuil saint who is a recent transplant from the NDP to the Greens, is he going to keep his seat? I'm uh, not sure if they'll be able to do anything in Quebec. If anything, it's going to be more in uh, in BC, where they
0: have uh, a grass wall of support there. Uh, right. and I she think elected that, you
1: know, a second member, right, she did earlier, did, earlier this year? Absolutely, uh, in a by-election. And the reality is that, you know, Quebecers, I think, a lot of Quebecers will be interested to vote for for the Green Party because of their attachment to Mm -hmm. environmental issues, sustainable uh, development, Uh, thinking about the future of our planet, which I think that is ridiculous because the planet, whether we're here or not, the planet's gonna do well without us. I think, you know, think about the future of humanity on this planet, that's the (laughs) most, that's the more appropriate expression. And I think that there's a lot of sensibilities in Quebec for that, but unfortunately, uh, by virtue of how our electoral system is crafted, there are going to gain some percentages across the board, but not enough to be able to elect to anyone get them in, house, in Quebec. Yeah. Maybe, like I said, Pierre Nantel maybe could get re-elected. I think that he could get re-elected only on his own track record and on his own name, yeah. and hopefully he'll get re-elected as, um, but as a... But that's pretty house. big though. I, uh, gaining a seat in Quebec, it's huge. I remember when the NDP got uh, finally got a seat in Quebec, it was the biggest news, right? Yeah, absolutely. But you know, I mean, that neighborhood, uh, saint hubert Longueuil, is traditionally very block, very separatist. Uh, it uh, always has been the case. And
0: he's running against
1: uh, a liberal candidate yeah. who was formerly a, a separatist war. minister in Quebec. He was a uh, health minister yeah, in yeah, the uh, PQ government, Regan just a mess. Who, who's not? Who's from? <laughs> who's not from the area? He's he's really uh, catapulted in that area, and so I mean, you know, it's it's okay to be to go and run mm-hmm. anywhere. Yeah. I mean, you know, you grew up in Park Extension, and so when you ran in that neighborhood, it was completely normal. Yeah, but yeah. you know, had I run in Park Extension, I'm not for Park Extension, but I have sensibilities and and, and a long-standing uh, friendship with the Greek community, and so you know, it. Sometimes you know there are matches that happen out of uh, thin air. That being said. Um, the Bloc uh, uh, could get uh, elected. They have a strong candidate who's a comedian, a well-known Quebec comedian whose name escapes me. But at the same time, the CAC got someone elected there uh, against uh, Martin Welette. Yes. In uh, the last uh, provincial election, and so therefore again, you know, part of that CAC, uh, uh, part of that CAC uh, wave, perhaps maybe they'll craft some sort of a space for Pierre Nantel to say, hey, uh, people in my constituency vote for me only i can defend your issues yeah. and you know it, it wouldn't be completely outlandish for that to happen but i haven't seen the i haven't seen the um, the most recent numbers for yeah. uh, for that neighborhood uh, it, it's close uh it's, it's gonna be a, a three-way race and so that's there. why i think that you know yeah. if in a context where the bloc québécois was off the radar i think it would have been a clear race between liberal and conservatives and law constituencies where the, the ndp was formerly the the incumbent yeah. uh, or currently the incumbent. Now the reality is that because of uh, Blanches outstanding performance on Monday, on uh, Wednesday night, I mean, it's very very possible that you know these there's going to be some upsets or there's going to be some very 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 tight races. Uh, there's an expression for that um where maybe you know even judges will uh the judges will need to uh to weigh in on you know uh, you know because it could come down to maybe 100 votes yeah yeah, which which is where things get interesting right yeah which is where things get interesting and where we have to remind people that voting does matter when it comes down to losing or winning by 25 30 100 votes that's when you realize that everyone needs to go out to vote yeah uh We'll wrap it up. Um, some
0: hot, uh, hot topics that came out of that debate uh, where really the gloves came off. Uh, Bill 21, where since the beginning of the campaign, I think actually at the beginning of the campaign, everybody kind of wanted to stay away from that issue. And then- Do do we really have to talk about it? Well, no, because- (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) let's stay away from the issue. No, because it it brought up a lot of emotions during during the campaign. And especially in the last week or so, where Justin Trudeau has seemed to kind of leave that door open where, you know, he's saying that we will intervene and defend the people. I'm not sure if that's a smart strategy, given that Quebec elected a majority government that campaigned on that issue.
1: Uh but it's a couple of things there. Um yes, it's a hot topic issue. Yes, Quebecers have elected a majority government in Quebec City that tackled this issue, but this issue, Bill Twenty One, wasn't adopted unanimously. No, of course. And so therefore we have to presume that not a unanimity of Quebecers are in favor of this bill and the you know, proof is in the pudding. There's some court challenges to There's been some marches, demonstrations against it, et cetera. And so while there is some consensus, it's not unanimity. We can't confuse both. I think that the Liberals immediately came out very, very strongly against it. And I think that part of being a Liberal in Canada is defending individual rights. And so therefore, I think it was completely normal that uh, Justin Trudeau and his Liberals would come out against it, especially in the context where you know we have a Canadian Constitution and a Canadian Charger. Chart of rights and freedoms that you know guarantee a number of things, including, according to some perspectives, uh, that you know Bill Twenty One uh, is infringing upon those rights. At the same time, I did feel that Justin Trudeau in the debate didn't go so hard on Bill Twenty One. I you know he was much more nuanced. He it wasn't an absolute that they were going to challenge. Yeah. You know, they yeah. were going to think about it. They were going to follow the situation closely. They were they're offering some support to some court challenges through a Justice Canada program that affords. Um, small groups to be able to receive some funding to be able to challenge some core decisions do, do you, And
0: so do you think that he's leaving something for later on in the campaign because if he comes out adamantly against it and says I will challenge it it's going to have a huge impact in for example uh, Montreal Laval uh, you know the regions around yes, Montreal absolutely. and the Greater Toronto area absolutely. where you can really
1: go in and, and, and score once, some points and once the toothpaste is out of the tube it's impossible to put it back in. yes and so I think that it was wise for him to not be so committal on the topic of Bill 21 during the debate, but we'll see what he says on the English debate on Monday night. You know, English Canadians uh, are outraged by, you know, how could Quebecers do this? How could Quebecers enact such a law that, you know, is a patent discrimination of certain Quebecers as opposed to others? Again, and I'm not making a judgment of values on it, and I'm not pronouncing myself on the, the merits or the grievances to Bill Twenty One, but what I do want to say is that you know, uh, objectively, English Canadians have a stance on this, and French Canadians have a different stance on this, and that's the dichotomy of our country you have to deal with, and you want to govern for everyone. So I think Justin Trudeau acted wisely by not committing overtly committing himself to this, but he may have to do it on the English debate, sure. and you know the situation's evolved uh situations evolve on a daily basis there are what 14 16 days left of this campaign anything can happen it's an eternity you know the ndp will make me hit the force of liberals to come out strongly uh on a position on this um the conservatives you know want to respect provincial jurisdictions and want to let quebecers decide for themselves what they should do on a number of issues so will they move forward on any pertaining to this anything else pertaining to this and then that leaves us with you know our favorite characters in display that we haven't heard on uh, this week, but that we will hear on uh, on Monday at the English debate. So Elizabeth May, Green Party, and Mad Max, our friend Max yeah. Bernier, yeah. Uh, who may, could win a seat, but probably will not get any other seats elected mm-hmm. across the country. So you know, I, th- I think that you know we have a couple of uh, wild cards in the deck coming up for coming up in the English debate, and I think that Canadians have an obligation to themselves to watch this debate. It is of a crucial importance. We get to do this. Um, we get to do this democratic exercise once every four years at a Canadian federal level, more or less. These decisions are going to have a true and decisive, decisive impact on what Canada is going to look like in four years, in eight years, in sixteen years from now. Canadians need to pay attention to what's going on in their politics. Otherwise, politics is going to take care of what Canadians. Highlight reel. Go for it. Uh,
0: the funniest moment for me when uh, Andrew Sheer blasted Justin Judo about using two airplanes, which, again, uh, didn't seem to bring much more attention uh, to the debate, but I just found it hilarious how he goes, yeah, yeah, I have two planes, one for you and one for your, for your costumes, costumes and for
1: your canoes. It was just hilarious. Yeah. You know, Andrew Shear. I think, you know, I could see the glee in his face. <laughs> I, I think that he was laughing uh, on the inside and, you know, uh, quite rightly so. I think that, you know, it was, it was a good, really, really good clip. Uh, you know, he gets my two thumbs up on that. At the same time that liberals use a plane or two. Who cares, really?
0: Well, it is being discussed now, right? So uh, there's a couple articles that came out today calling Justin Trudeau uh, a hypocrite for, you know, standing side by side with Greta Thunberg, uh, who right. doesn't but, you know, travel but, but by plane. But, but it's the suddenly... equivalent of
1: telling me, you know, Carlos, you know, you travel with a small suitcase, or carry-on. Good for you. Oh, no, you travel with the big luggage. Yeah. Luggage, you know, you got to travel. You're traveling. And, you know, Canada is the second largest country in the world. So it's completely normal that, you know, there is going to be some traveling that needs to be done, number one. Number two, yeah, you carry some stuff with you. Uh, You have reporters, you have staff, you have equipment for your shows, uh, for, you know, for your uh, uh, rallies, for, you know, whatever public events that you're doing. So to me, it's absolutely not the end of the world. Uh, you know, you're either traveling by plane or you are not. And so whether you're using one plane or two, to me, uh, uh, is, is uh, quite uh, irrelevant. Now, you know, there is one plane in the world that is the least polluting and most advanced uh, commercial airplane in the world. It used to be called the C-Series. Now it's called the A220. And um, it has uh, a very, very low uh, greenhouse gas uh, emissions. emissions. And so I think that, you know, if everyone had used that plane, would be better off, but you know, uh, the story doesn't say. No, uh, and and and, uh, and, and, uh, and Airbus is not my client, and so yeah, we have to, we have to <laughs> specify. What, it's not another
0: plug. Uh, any other uh, parts or moments of the of the the debate that kind of?
1: Uh, uh, you know, I think of, everyone made a big deal of the last word used yeah. by Jack Mead and You know, uh, I'm a francophone. French is my first language, and sometimes you know. Um, I speak out of turn I use a term in English that I shouldn't have used I certainly do it in Spanish and in other languages that I try to speak I also think and it's so, also
0: because of his lack of maybe yeah no it's so exactly uh, so it,
1: it was an accidental use of a word that was maybe a little strong I don't think that it was uh, incredibly uh, out, outrageous or outlandish so I think yeah. that we give him a little bit of flack too much on that but quite certainly you know out of the your real story the you know the abortion issue really was uh, a yeah was not sincerely it was like you know receiving being hit by a shovel in the forehead in the first 30 seconds of the debate (laughs) and you know and again you know the draw the luck the the topic came out uh, and you know but you got to roll with the punches you know you're gonna you're going to be the leader of a political party that aspires to lead our government on our behalf on domestic issues and on international issues you need to be able to be prepared to deal with tough questions and complicated issues and good on Andrew Shear for recovering from this very, very strong hit uh, that was very, very fair. It was above the belt, in my opinion. Uh, Kudos to him for recovering and kudos uh, to him for uh, not letting him affect too much the rest of the debate. 24 hours after that, he came out
0: and he finally said it after so much pressure from the media, your communications guy, would you have
1: uh, advised him to do that or not, to keep uh, keeping it kind of, you know hindsight is twenty twenty. i would have advised him to strongly come out with the truth you know when you know when you when something even has added value being the truth you have if you say it get it out of, of the way but be, he didn't be during be the debate but the, the fact that it. he
0: did it the day after
1: yes it evacuated the question but it also raised the other question now we know about his dual citizenship and he had attacked Céphane Dion and former Governor General's uh. capacity of being able to be a cabinet minister or a leader of the Liberal Party or a prime minister or our, our, our head of state as having the dual nationality. I thought I think they know that there's, you know, you say one thing, but you do something else. And so I think that that's where there's a disconnect between, uh, you know, there's a disconnect uh, at the Andrew Scheer level. That I think that Canadians are are, are going to hold against them. Are they going to hold it against them forever? I don't know. Is it going to affect him and the rest of the country? I'm not sure either. But, you know, I did hear uh, uh, Foisy from uh, Radio Canada ask Andrew Scheer. Because uh, Andrew Shear answered, you know, no one asked if I had dual nationality. And so He asked him, you know, is there anything else that we should be asking you? Uh, and so, you know, you want to avoid those, yeah, yeah, yeah. those situations. Yeah. And unfortunately, Andrew Shear has to deal with those right now. Uh,
0: lastly, and we're closing, do you think this debate had any impact on the vote? Or do you think people are still going to hold off to see what,
1: you know, how the campaign will evolve until the end? It was a very long and a little dry two-hour debate in French only broadcast only in Quebec and to some, some parts of eastern Ontario and western New Brunswick. At 8 p.m. that lasted till 10 p.m., I'm uh, amazed that you know the the that 1.2 million uh, listeners tuned, tuned in, in. To, to watch it. I don't think that it will have a a phenomenal or a great palpable impact on on the end result. I do think that the next upcoming debates will, and uh, so this may have been maybe a bit of a, a practice uh, round, you know, a practice round to some degree. Special practice round, you know, in the worst set of circumstances in French yeah. uh, for uh, two leaders who are non-Francophones. And so this is where I think that, you know, w- this is where we have to to see it as only that, you know, a debate only in Quebec on mostly Quebec issues uh, and, or of national issues that have a Quebec impact. But quite certainly, you know, there's uh, going to be some clips that will come out of this. Uh, could be the object of Future attack ads, from one part or another. Um, I think that you know, I saw Yves Blanchette yesterday touring his own constituency. You know, since he looked like you know, like a million bucks. You know, uh, braggadocious of having been uh, the quote unquote winner from that debate. Yeah, yeah. You know, again, a campaign is very long, and we knew the election was going to be October twenty-first. So we know that. Everyone's been campaigning for the past six yeah, months, yeah. but the real, real campaign is right now, and I think that you know Canadians need to pay attention, and we Canadians more importantly need to go vote absolutely as well. Because the
0: truth is, anything can change, right? And I, I and I just want to remind everyone listening or watching that the 2015 election, Justin Trudeau won in the last week, or maybe let's say yep. a week and a half. Mm-hmm. He was coming not on, not even second; he was coming in third. That's where people were projecting him, uh, and it's the last week. And I remember even the topic; it was on the headscarf the whole debate on the headscarf yeah. that's what did it for him um, and it changed everything and you know t- to many people's surprise, he won with the majority on top so but anything can
1: change anything can change any issue can become a a problem issue or a wedge issue uh, depending on who raises it who carries it and how leaders will react to it and so who raises it we can't control that uh, who carries it? When reporters decide to stick on an issue, you know the fourth power in in the country. Yeah. Then you know, you know, there's no telling them, and you know, once they take a bite out of you, they're not going to let go until you've answered. They they've received some satisfactory answer, and and reporters dogged um, Andrew Sheer on the abortion issue on that, and then you know you have to react to it. And so you either react positively, and and take the bull by the horn and own it. And, uh, and face it and then put it besides you or past you, or you let it linger and uh, you don't know how to react. You know, I think that, you know, in any crises, whether um, it be in a situation like this or in the private sector, in a crisis management, you know, you need to be able to face the music and react positively and react in a way that's going to afford you the opportunity to address the issue and then put it behind you, then switch the narrative. And that's where really, Professionals need to come in to be able to do that,
0: Uh, dude. Thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you, uh, sincerely. I this was a lot more fun than I thought. So you got to come on a longer format. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Much more relaxed. You know, don't dress up too classy and stuff. You don't need to impress me. You know,
1: (laughs) you know, if you think that I would dress up like this to impress you, (laughs) we're gonna take a left here. I know old Montreal like the back (laughs) of my head and i love this neighborhood uh dude thanks a lot man uh it was a pleasure seeing you again and
0: uh, we should do this more often we definitely do
1: (laughs) thank you